Hi, everyone. Welcome to Speech Goods, a podcast where we showcase awesome SLPs doing awesome traditional and non-traditional SLP things. Myself and the guests on this show are here to talk about the goods, the bads, and the untamable parts of ourselves and our SLP careers, and how, despite the challenges of everyday life, have just done the dang thing, loving what we do. I'm your host, Danny Augustine. I went from burnt out, dissatisfied with my SLP job, to dusting off my big girl pants, sprinkling some determination in my 20 cent coffee, and starting my own debt-free private practice. Now, I love my working career and wouldn't trade it for anything else. It was support and wisdom from others around me that helped me refine my why. In this show, I hope you find support and wisdom of your own. and welcome to this episode of Speech Goods. I am so excited for our guest today. And not only is Marie gonna be sharing lots of no fluff, doing the dang thing information, SLP stuff, and even outside of SLP because she has an amazing history and story and I can't wait for you to hear it. But fun fact, I also went to graduate school and graduated with Marie. She knew me whenever I was not even a budding CF yet. I've actually referred to her and some of her words of wisdom previously on this show about how I didn't accept a low ball CF pay offer. One of the things Marie always told me was that Louis Vuitton does not go on sale, which I believe when we talk, she said that we should change it to Chanel now. You'll have to see when we get to the interview, but you're absolutely going to love her. So let me tell you a little bit about her. So Marie is a licensed speech language pathologist with a graduate degree in speech pathology from the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, AKA your girl's alma mater. She also possesses the national accreditation certificate of clinical competency from ASHA, our favorite people. She is a recent graduate of the Mayo Method, an oral facial myofunctional therapy course, and she is also a private practice owner currently going through the credentialing process. She has also created My Speech Sounds, which are a line of coloring books designed to accompany therapy by providing simple practice steps at the word, phrase, and sentence levels. I actually remember her talking about this idea when we were in graduate school, so it's super cool that it came to fruition for her. Um, she also works with myofunctional therapy, early intervention, pediatrics, and multicultural aspects since she is also half Asian and grew up in a bilingual home, and those are just a few of her clinical interests. Prior to becoming an SLP, Marie had two previous careers, which you're gonna hear about in the interview as well. Her first career and love was actually fine jewelry. Isn't that cool? So growing up, she often accompanied her mother to gem shows, and then her mother would draw out designs and have these items made by jewelers that were close friends of hers, family that were overseas. After spending approximately seven years in fine jewelry professionally and even owning her own small jewelry store, she changed careers and went into finance. Now, can't you see why I wanted to have her on this episode? So Marie actually landed a position as a financial specialist and was promoted to a small business licensed financial specialist with a large national bank based out of North Carolina. This girl was like hot stuff. She wore business suits and things, like seriously. And in this role, she acquired a series six and six, 63 investment and insurance licenses. The girl had licenses. And with a focus on small business, she handled businesses ranging from zero to $3 million in annual revenue. Being a one point of contact for business owners meant helping them manage their deposit accounts, lines of credit, commercial property lending, equipment leasing, like a lot of the stuff I can't even say, y'all, as well as investment needs such as SEP IRAs, 
and 401k plans for their employees along with personal banking needs as well. If SEP IRA is something forward to you that is a retirement option or retirement account option for individually individuals who are self-employed or business owners. And also she talks about how the link between all these careers she loved the most was building relationships with clients and making them feel valued. Isn't that what we do every day? She, when she found speech pathology, she knew she had found her home, a career where she could build a myriad of skills and a variety of settings to choose from. And after experiencing acute care, sniffs, private practice, and the school system, she finally decided to follow her heart and take the leap into private practice and being a business owner again. Whew. Okay, what an amazing bio. I'm gonna stop talking now because we're gonna get into all of the juicy goosey things whenever you see the interview with Marie. Let's go do the dang thing. Hello, 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 Marie. Welcome, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be with you. Yes. Personally, I guess. Yes, okay. Before, before I like let Marie talk, I have to tell everybody, so Marie, she's not like this like crazy like Instagram SLP. Like there's no like a lot of times I'll have like people, you know, like other people in the SLP field, like with online businesses or that have, you know, big like social media and all this stuff. M Marie is actually, we went to graduate school together. We both graduated <laughs> for SLP graduate school in 2016. And I've actually referenced Marie, not by name on this podcast before when I'm basically talking about like having confident and doing the dang thing and being awesome. So if you are a fan of this podcast, if you've ever heard me tell the story, um, number one, about how there was, there was that friend in grad school whose experience who helped me negotiate my salary as a CF, that this is her. <laughs> As you just listened to her bio, she's done so many things and we're going to let her, I'm going to stop talking in a second and let her tell us a little bit about her story before she became an SLP. Um, another story you may have heard me talk about Marie is she would always say like, cause we would all be, you know, we're all new grads. Like we're all, you know, most of, I was like, what, like 24, never, I, you know, my last oh, job, it was babysitting. <laughs> yeah. And so we were all like trying to figure out what we wanted to get paid and blah, blah, blah. And one thing that Marie said that I will never forget was girl, Louis Vuitton does not go on sale. Yeah, and this man. is the one thing that has stuck with me forever. And yep. I've told that story before, but if you, if you've heard me tell that story, this is the girl that's, this is the girl or woman, <laughs> you're a woman. But anyways, so we like, I'm just so excited to talk to you because you've been through such a non-traditional route to becoming an SLP. And we're going to get into this later too, when we start chit-chatting, but like you've been in, you know, I talk all the time about female dominated fields and some of the difficulties we have as women um, with making money and charging for worth. And you've actually been in those male dominated fields and yes. killed it. And so I just cannot wait for everyone to get your perspective on a lot of the, you know, a lot of the topics that we talk about a lot on this podcast. Okay. I'm going to chill out. I'm just really <laughs> excited about this episode. Um, so Marie, tell us what makes you and your SLP journey so unique? Um, I, I don't know. I feel like so many of you guys, um, you know, it was like, 
straight through, you know, you, you've discovered it when you were an undergrad and then you got your bachelor's in it and you're like hustling to get, you know, get into grad school and, you know, take your GRE and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of beauty in that. I, man, when I was in my twenties, I wish that I was that determined and focused. I was not, I wanted to have a good time. <laughs> Like, as a matter of fact, the first time I was in school, um, I had a very good friend who was um, a speech path major at a school here in North Carolina, East Carolina, go Pirates. Um, and she was stressed out all the time. She studied her patukas off and she was amazing and whatnot. But, um, you know, I was like, man, I do not have the focus for that. But what I do have is a different group of friends that I drink with every night. And so every night it would be like, hey, we haven't seen you in a week. Can we go out and drink? And I'd be like, but I really need to rest or study or something. And they would be like, but we haven't seen you. And I would be like, okay, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was not in a sorority. I was not the sorority type. Um, yeah. Um, I did have somebody tell me one time that they were surprised that I wasn't in a sorority, which I was really flattered by that. You know, I was like, oh, that's so nice. I was like, yeah, they never wanted me, but that's okay. Um, so, <laughs> so for me, um, really my, my first career coming out, um, of school was, um, was fine jewelry. Um, so have jewelers in the family. Um, you don't know this about me, but, um, Danny probably can tell you, I have a lot of crazy jewelry, like crazy expensive jewelry. Yeah. Like, I, like everybody, like <laughs> Marie has very, and that's why I was like, I just gotta get her on the podcast. Like she, and I, but I love it. Like you have this very high standard for yourself and not in a snooty way and not in a I'm better than you way no, but just like no. this is what I like and yeah. I'm gonna do what I need to do to get what I like and I'm not gonna feel bad about it like no I, I'm not yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and and I think that that is um I, I don't even know how to articulate it but I think that that's I think that we all need to be okay with having our standards for ourselves and not putting our standards off onto other people, like meeting people where they are. I think that that is important, not just in our personal life, but I think it's important in our business life too, with our clients and stuff. I digress. That's a soft skill that we should all have that they also don't teach you in grad school. But anyway, so um, yeah, my first journey was my first career was fine jewelry. I really wanted to be a jewelry buyer, but uh, I didn't want to move away to Chicago or anything like that. So um, I um, actually was gifted a certain amount of money and I had my own business at 21. I opened up my own jewelry store and I signed a year lease and it was a big fat failure and I learned a lot and I was just really way too young. I was really way too young. I really wasn't prepared to be away from home. I went to Tennessee. I'm from North Carolina and I was just, and I was with family there, but it was just really, I bit off more than I could chew. Um, so I moved back home and I went to work for, uh, you know, a, a pretty large family owned jewelry chain. There was 101 stores. Um, and, um, so 
I, I work there and, and it's a very male dominated field, mostly men. And our store, I worked for a manager who we had something called um, whenever you meet your goals, your monthly goals and you, which is your sales goals and your um, your margin goals. So how much is your margin? So yes, you might sell a lot, but if you're discounting things heavily to get to that number, the company's not profitable. So you also have to meet that margin, that profitability level, which let me tell you, they hammered us for that. And I think part of the reason that they hammered my manager for it was because she was female and it's a male dominated field. Um, and which is interesting because <laughs> I feel like jewelry is typically for women, but continue. I, I find that very interesting, but continue. Yeah. I mean, I would even have customers sometimes come in. Like we had, um, we had hired, um, this older gentleman, tall, white hair, you know, very patronly, you know, status type person and people would naturally gravitate towards him but then they were asking him very technical questions that he didn't know and I was the one that had had a lot of gemology training through GIA which is the Gemological Institute of America who designed the grading scale that we all use in the diamond and jewelry stores the four C's um, and I'm Diamond Council of America certified diamondologist and all this kind of stuff but I knew I have a lot of background knowledge on um, on colored stones and so and even differences on diamonds like where the rough is from like you can get you typically get a more brilliant diamond that comes from um, the arctic tundra than you do from a warm south african climate Mm -hmm. even though they're both still the same, but just because of the way that the molecules compress anyway. So, I mean, it happens a lot. And then they would always be like surprised whenever he would refer to me for the technical questions. Um, so, yeah, so, um, you know, that, that was interesting. Um, but I, I feel like it's almost one of these things, like as part of our society, it's like, oh, well, you're older and male, you must be the wisest one of the tribe. <laughs> You must be the owner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so you were also in, which is, I, I think it'd be even more fascinating. You were also in like the banking and finance industry, which is yeah. not this, which is not just male dominated, but much more cutthroat. Yes, it definitely is. Yeah. So, um, I was, um, a small business licensed financial specialist, which means that I handled small businesses from zero to 3 million in annual revenue and had a couple of businesses that were like five or 6 million in annual revenue because they were really just some settled older gentlemen that didn't want to talk to anybody but me. They would, <laughs> they would tell their office person, have you taken the deposit yet? no, I haven't, Mr. Smith. Well, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the deposit. And then they would come by and they would see me in my office and be like, have you had lunch yet? No, sir. You know, so, um, so it's, you know, relationship building is a big part of that, but, um, but yeah, definitely, um, you know, where I would have um, been some of the, some of my counterparts be like, you know, you're not structuring, you know, this loan this way or, um, you know, you need to, especially on the investment side, because my investment license was geared to be partnered with um, a financial advisor. 
because they're the ones that have like a series seven license and your series seven license is your stockbroker license. So those are the, the heavy hitters. So my license was a series six. So I was able to do mutual funds and things like that. Um, and, you know, sometimes I would come to them for advice and it always seemed to kind of worm its way um, into kind of stepping in on my client and overstepping. So it was definitely a place where I had to learn how to set boundaries um, very quickly. And you have to set very strong boundaries. Um, and I think that it's kind of hard for us as women, because um, I think that we're kind of geared to not really have boundaries or, or be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Don't rock the boat. Yeah. but be helpful. Oh, well, you know, well, you can do that this one time. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. can, you, can you tell us like in thinking back, like a specific story or example of where you had to kind of like set some boundaries with one of your male coworkers? You know, we need that data. I need to be able to see that, to see what is going on because, um, I, I cannot chase all the things, all the time. You have to pick and choose. So I, I've already got a, you know, a ton of kids that I've got to test and everything or retest. Um, and of course, those are gonna, those are gonna be the most important things to do. But you know, I think definitely um, being able to build that relationship where you can, if you've already got other kids that are in their class, giving them updates, asking them what they're seeing. Um, And, but I think one of the things that we all really lack in general, and I don't know if it's just to like maintain that level of professionalism, but it's okay to ask people about themselves or about their family. Like, how are you doing? In the work Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. you would be surprised how far a small compliment goes towards making somebody's day that might be the only nice thing that they've heard all day long like oh your smile is so it's so nice to see you smile you have the most beautiful smile you know your shoes are so nice just something small like that I mean one an initial positive interaction is paramount if you have a negative initial um, reaction I think it's it takes something like 18 to 20 positive reactions to like overcome that one negative react interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that's something that we all need to keep in mind too. Um, Just that we should all remember that we are people, even though we have boundaries and that it's, it's, it's okay to have boundaries. I think that it, it, it sets up healthy guidelines for everybody's working relationship. I just think that it was just really difficult because they had, we all get set in our ways. Right. So I think that that, you know, was part of what was difficult for them. When I think I like that you brought that up because it's like, I think people have a hard time with like, Oh, I'm going to piss someone off. If I set a boundary or I'm going to upset them or I'm going to destroy that relationship. But I think, and um, this is something when I used to work at like a summer camp as a camp counselor is they always talk about like, um, put money in the bank. Cause they always said that about with kids. And I'm like, with adults, it's the same thing. And first of all, who doesn't love to talk about themselves? <laughs> um, like, cause nobody ever asks you about you. Everybody wants to talk about themselves, right? <laughs> you are the one person that actually gives, <laughs> gives a crud. 
but you'll stand apart. But anyways, but, but they were talking about putting money in the bank and how like, you know, they were like, you are going to have to take money out at some point. That's like, if you're disciplining them, correcting them or telling them something that they don't want to hear. Like at one point I had a camper, she was trying to walk out there with short, like little, little Daisy Duke short shorts. And I was like, mm, no, you can't do that. Um, but it's just like putting money in the bank. You need to intentionally be putting money in the bank because especially with work relationships and if you are setting boundaries, you know, you might have to take some withdrawals at some point and tell them no. But if you're intentional about getting to know them and it, you don't have to sit there. Like I never went in the teacher's lounge. Like, yeah. I mean, I went in there for like birthdays or like, I, I'd say I did intentional teacher lounge time. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be like, hours of your day like it can be a very conversation and I think people I think people forget that and also being conscious of that when you go into a new environment of like you need to be putting money in the bank like you need to be building those relationships because at some point especially with work especially like with the nature of how SLPs are in like a school system you were probably going to be asked to do something that is not your job or whatever it is. And you have to be able to make those decisions. I absolutely did. They tried to get me on, um, afternoon, afternoon hall duty. All right. I had given in and did morning duty, which I, I was fine with morning duty because I really enjoyed watching the kids come in. I left private practice and went to a school system for community. I went there so I could impact kids that were not on my caseload. And so I loved, I hugged kids. I didn't know who they were, but they came in every morning and would get their hug from me. And I was happy to hug them. I don't even know what I would do in COVID if I was still there, because I would be like, I love you. Yeah, elbow tap. <laughs> elbow. <laughs> tap, tap, buddy. <laughs> you know, um, and so it's just, um, it's just, it's just very, very different now, but, um, I don't even know where I was going with that trains. We're talking about putting money in the bank and community, which you, so like you're talking about afternoon duty, which you did morning duty, which was kind of like, I'm going to put some money in the bank. Absolutely. And I was asked to do this. Thank you. This afternoon duty. That's what happens after you've had a toddler ladies, just in case y'all don't know, sometimes (laughs) train leaves the station. So so I, I, I was like, okay, I will do this afternoon duty in the stairwell. I did it for about a week. And then I was like, I am so backed up on my notes. I cannot do this. So I went to my principal's office and I said, look, I cannot do afternoon duty. Well, the SLP we had before you did, I said, that's fantastic. She's not here anymore. I'm here. It wasn't a job. I mean, it wasn't a job requirement for you, correct? Like- I don't know. Not that I know of, I, but I told her, I said, this is why I can't do this. I was like, I have therapeutic notes to complete. Okay. Teachers don't have therapeutic notes. I have therapeutic notes to complete. That is my license that is on the line. If you are not worried about me having my license, I will gladly put all my bills over in your bank account and move into your house. And that'll be it. I'll happily do the duty. So if anything happens and you can put me on your retirement plan and everything else. And it'll be did great. you actually say that to her? I did. <laughs> 
say that to my clients at the bank that would ask me to do things that I would get in trouble for. I'll be like, I already have your bank account. I'm going to put my auto drafts in over there before I do that. So if I get in trouble, I can cook. I'm moving into your house. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love it. And the fact that you see how people don't want someone else to just randomly move into their house or pay their bills. I don't understand. I'm a good like recognizing like like under like helping them to understand. I think I think as people sometimes we expect people to automatically see something from our point of view. Yes. And it's like, no, actually, most people don't really care about your point of view. Um, especially when they're trying to accomplish a task. Yes. A lot of times, like if you don't stick up for yourself and show them. They're, yes. they're just going to keep, and it's not because they're bad people. No, like, no especially Like, especially in the school system, everybody that works in a school is stressed out and has too much work to do. You know, like yeah. people, people are just, we're just living our lives and do what we got to do. Like, okay, I see this kid, I got to do this thing. I got to get this paper. Yep. So, you know, so you, you have to sometimes stop someone and be like, hold up, hold up. I have an issue. Let's chat about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's also a big thing on like, you know, filling up that bucket. Like whenever you do tell somebody no, you have to tell them why, why you have to give them reasoning behind it. So you don't want them to walk away just completely feeling invalidated. That's not a good feeling. Okay. No, I can't do this. And this is why I can't do this. Have, has this step completed? Has this step been completed? No, no. Can you work on these? So that way we can get to this point here, you know, okay. I understand that you're requesting that, but these other pieces in the chain have to be completed before we get to this step over here. Um, and, and I think, you know, that that's something that we all kind of need to remember, even like whenever we're talking to our, our clients and we're, we've done test, we're done testing someone's kiddo, you know, like you have to be cognizant of that pe- people that are receiving that information from you. Um, they might be overwhelmed by it. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that I always do with my parents, even during IEP meetings, I, I always did this, even with my clients in banking, like I would just check in on them and be like, are you feeling overwhelmed right now? You know, but I've just thrown a lot of information at you. Okay. I'm going to give you a few minutes to process that. Or would you like, would you like to call me later on if you come up with some other questions or, you know, anything like that, shoot me an email. Um, But I think that that's one of the things that we often forget because I think for all of us is no matter what field you're in, um, whenever you do throw a lot of information at your clients, your customers, your patients, girl, I have a hard time saying patients, my patients, I don't, I, I, they're still clients. When you're in the schools, <laughs> like I have the same thing. When you're in the schools, it like, that doesn't even occur to you. No, it's my kiddos. Yeah. I got this kiddo over here. Yeah. Like kiddos, clients, like, yeah, you're good. You're totally good. Well, and I, I think that's a really important thing to highlight. And that's another reason I wanted to have you on the show was that you got all these, you know, you mentioned like soft skills in other jobs. Um, and yet it's amazing how like they all still apply to being an SLP. Like, I mean, honestly, we're not going to get into all the woo woo, but like, it just yeah. applies to like the human experience. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's like being empathetic and everything towards people. So, yes, I, well, you know, we had... I don't know if you knew this or not, because, you know, they kind of kept us separate in school. You notice that it was like they couldn't have 
like Danny and Marie too close together. Like they needed yeah. to spread our voices. They would. <laughs> oh, I noticed that. Like we were never, y'all, okay, we were never <laughs> in the same group. Yeah. We did presentations like in the same venues together, but <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, they need to be in stereo. <laughs> it was just too much fabulousness it was it was they just they just couldn't handle it all right so um first semester grad school when we were in clinic um they're on campus because you know they don't trust us to just go right out into the field and everything they gotta they gotta make sure like yeah um (laughs) they gotta make sure that you know how to act right before they send you off campus and be like they represent us yeah anyway we (laughs) so um when when um my clinical educator was parceling out um her caseload to us um there was a gentleman um who was on the more challenging side um so there were some cultural differences um he was from a different country um he was a high level professional professor didn't teach at our university, taught at another university, uh, had a history of making clinicians cry. So I, understandably, she wanted to offer it out to everyone instead of just being like, hey, guess what? You are getting this client. <laughs> Here you go. Here and of you course, go. like first, I mean, and everybody think back to your first semester of grad school when you had never done therapy before. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. We were in the same clinical group. Yes, were we? Oh. I was with Miss Edwards too. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. It's coming. You guys are you guys are gonna hear us walk down memory lane a little bit as we discuss this. Okay. So so give other clinicians cry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, so you know, like I'm looking around at all these young ladies, and you guys are all like, don't look at me. I'm not talking to him, you know, and I'm just like, I'll take one for the team. I'll handle it. <laughs> so I volunteered like a schmuck or whatever. I was my volunteer is tribute. And that was literally <laughs> like, as you're talking about it, Marie, it's coming back to me now. It, it, it's all coming back to me now amongst all the coffee and the late nights of that first semester. It's coming oh my back gosh. We were all living. What was it? 301? Three oh one. Yeah. There was like one room that all the grad students would have our classes in. <laughs> it's 301 again here's my locker (laughs) so um so yeah like you know I I had him and um like um and there was definitely some challenges but you know I built a relationship with him I would ask him how he slept like I wanted to see how he was feeling and even after a while he asked me he said why do you always ask me how I sleep? I said, that's my way of showing that I care about how you're feeling. I said, that lets me know if, you know, you're well rested, you're probably having like a pretty good day. I was like, but if maybe if you're not sleeping so good, eh, you might be on the little, I mean, we all get cranky if we don't sleep so well. Right. So, you know, um, and I would ask him about his family and I would ask him about his mom and his dad and, you know, what, you know, did he ever see himself like moving, you know, moving back home and, um, 
And as someone who, you know, I myself am, you know, not full American, I'm half Asian and I have a lot of family overseas. So I still refer to my mom's country as home. Like, you know, sometimes I think about going back. I refer to it as when we go there, I'm going home. You know, even though I was born here and technically never lived there except for my summer vacations. Okay. But, you know, those are the things that we, <laughs> that we talked about and, um, and it goes a long way, you know, just even asking like, Hey, did you talk to your mom? How was your cat? Um, it, it just shows that you are investing in them as a person and not just face value of what you're getting out of them, how far are they progressing in, um, you know, in, in, in uh, against their goals and things like that. And, um, you know, the, the next semester, I guess she offered him up again. And, um, the nice, sweet person in our cohort, it just didn't go so well. Um, so yeah, so she was sent back to me to, to see what it was because I had such a good relationship with him and he never made me cry. And I literally asked her, I was like, have you asked him about his family? She said, no. I said, did you ask him about his mom? No. Did you know he has a cat? No. And I was just mind blown by this. I was like, what? Well, and you, you have all this, like, and that's what I always saw was so, like, I was always so interested. Like, I was always so glad you were in our little co cohort. Um, because like, you just had that real life experience, which like everything you're saying, like, I guess I know that now six, seven years, later. <laughs> it didn't take you that long. You're warm and fuzzy. Danny. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, I think, I think that's super valuable. And I think that's good to know that that is across any field. And then especially when you're trying to like move up and form relationships and things like that. So here's my question for you. And I know we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording. What are your views? Because it sounds like you don't struggle with it at all. And but I, I, I still want to hear your views. Um, there's a big, like, the buzzword right now is imposter syndrome. Like, I think there's actually an SLP doing, like, their PhD on it or something. What are your views on... Now, I'll, I'll say this. I mostly have read about and consumed information about imposter syndrome within the either within the SLP field or vaguely I have an audiobook about imposter syndrome with women. Now I'm very curious your your thoughts on this imposter syndrome thing, especially since you've just done so much more not in the SLP field and you've also done so much not in a female dominated field. Yeah. So tell me tell me your thoughts. <sighs> you know, I and, and I've been hearing so much about it. And, um, you know, sometimes I think maybe there's something wrong with me because I don't feel like I got imposter syndrome. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm capable. I have the knowledge. Once I have that knowledge, I'm good to go. Like, um, I, I think, and you know, men, they don't feel like they're an imposter on anything. They're all fake it till you make it. Man, my best friend, that's what he told me. That is, he told me that at, I think I was like 22 years old. He was like, honey, you got to fake it till you make it. He was like, they don't know that you don't know what you don't know. You know, as <laughs> and you're like, and part of you wants to look at them and be like, okay, like that could potentially be a little unethical. I, in this field for sure. And it was, I will tell you. So like coming from jewelry, from fine jewelry, I knew everything. 
everything. Like I knew about the jewelry making process. I knew where the rough, I knew where the rough, where the gemstones came from. I know what part of the world they come from. I know what company probably mined them. I know habit is like what they look like when they come out of the ground and what cutters have to do like i knew all the details of it and when i went into banking i found out i was not going to know everything and that was hard and so that was a little bit easier transition into this field of you're not going to know everything and that's okay um and it's okay to not know everything it's okay to be like i don't know I don't know. I will do some research. Can I find someone that I, I will find someone that I can put you in touch with? And it just really saddens me that we have so many fantastic clinicians that I feel like it's a self-esteem problem um, that they, they don't feel that they, they don't feel worthy um they don't feel worthy or they that they don't feel competent and i'm just like i bet that you have like phenomenal gre scores didn't you you know and it's like my gre score sucked i had to take the gre three times <laughs> to get into grad school <laughs> and i had to spend a thousand dollars taking class on telling me how to take the gre <laughs> so I invested a lot of money in this and it really, really does break my heart because out of all of the fields that I've had, speech pathology is the most, oh, I'm almost going to cry, you guys. It's the best field ever. You can do anything. Okay, you can do anything. You can have your own business. You can work in a big institution like you can work with whatever population you can choose what you want to specialize in or specialize in nothing like there's so many different pathways you just want to do swallowing go just work on dysphagia that's okay you just want to work on dysphagia in adults hey that's okay too you want to just work in the NICU in little babies hey that is great too those are all needs and it's just like Whenever I hear, you know, so many women, clinicians, people in our field, sorry, I'm not trying to like leave out any of the guys out there because you guys are awesome and we need more men. All right. But it really breaks my heart, you know, where that people are burned out or getting burned out. And I'm just like, I've had careers where I was hammered for numbers. And I mean, hammered like every month, you're only as good as your last 30 days that's it. When you're in a sales position, I mean, is, is it like fabulous to be walking around and you're selling like big ticket items? Yeah, it is. It makes you feel good. Does it sound nice to be able to tell people? Yeah. Is it hell to work in? It can absolutely be hell to work in. It was so stressful for me when I was working in finance. I had such a balance of goals that I had to make. Like I had deposit goals. I had new account goals. I had loan goals and I had not just loan goals, but I also had like business, small business loan goals. Cause I had small business goals that I had to hit also with those deposit, new accounts, deposit money, new money taken in, um, you know, investments. I had all these goals. I would beat my head against the wall in the shower 
to force myself to go into work. I have never done in this field. What I have done is driving in between appointments, even whenever I was frustrated with that. And I left, I left private practice to go to the school system. And now I've left the school system to go back into private practice. I found myself sitting at a stoplight and thanking the Lord for my career. And I was grateful and I am grateful for the clients I am able to work with and the lives I am able to be a catalyst for change for and the hope that I bring to families. And I think that, that those are all very, very worthy things. And I think that we should all be extremely proud of ourselves and what we represent to so many people in their lives and not and not just our kids but of the adults who have lost skills and have deficits and we're able to bring them back to functionality you know maybe it may not be perfect and maybe it's a new normal but it's a whole lot better than where they were and that is beautiful and is it nice to sell somebody engagement ring yeah it's nice to be part of holidays and birthdays but if i'm only good as my last 30 days that kind of sucks and that's stressful you know and then you have your year your year over year goals folks you got those like the grass is not greener on the other side <laughs> you can work for yourself in this field you know i mean i can i'm in the process of starting my own private practice now because that's where i feel like i need to go now that's how i need to grow and Working as a jeweler, could I do that? Yeah, I did that. I screwed it up the first time. That's okay. I failed. It's all right. Um, I was never going to be able to open up my own bank. Like, <laughs> and let me tell you, starting out, like, you know, I got a job offer to be to work for an investment firm. That's great, but you have to build a book of business. Do you know how difficult that is being on the phone? Y'all don't even want to answer the phone for people that want to sell you a car warranty. How are you going to talk to people that want you to invest for your retirement? Like y'all don't want to talk to them either. That's hard work. <laughs> yeah, well, necessary work, but hard. <laughs> and, I, and like even to go back to like how I mean, you even got like a, a emotional when you're talking about how much you love the field. The fact that you've been able to sustain a love for the field while setting boundaries, and I'm curious. You know, do you feel that your ability to still love the field is because you set those boundaries and don't overwork and overexert yourself? Like I'm not working when I'm not getting paid, like, or I'm not taking, I'm not taking a caseload of 100 kids on a school. Nope. Like I'm not nope. doing that. Yes, for sure. Um, you have to save something for yourself and for your family. Um, I have a toddler. She's 26 months old and she is just the light of my life. Um, and I want to do the best for her that I can. Um, and I want to spend as much time with her as I can. And going into private practice is going to give me that flexibility. I was not ever going to get that with the school system. I was not going to get paid extra for all those extra IEP meetings early and late. Like there wasn't any bonuses for any of that. Never going to happen. You get a pension at the end, but um, guess what? Things happen within governments and whatnot. And sometimes funds are mismanaged. 
No way. <laughs> but before we begin, if you are an SLP, OTPT, or you just breathe air and you know you need to get better at effectively managing your money, you don't want to necessarily wait every week for me to gradually dole out every strategy, knowledge nugget, or how-to on budgeting and taking control of your money, I want to invite you to join the Budget Without Burden online course. It's an online go at your own pace because you know we're busy course that has helped over 100 clinicians to create a budget they will actually stick to. It equips busy clinicians like us to spend with intention and confidence to meet our financial goals. I take you through understanding your different types of expenses, how to prioritize your spending based upon what your personal financial goals are and what brings you joy. I actually show you how to automate your finances, how to budget for the unexpected and help you create your own intentional spending plan for the next 90 days. I'll show you how to do all of these things without spending hours in a complicated spreadsheet. Be sure to click on the link in the show notes to join me in the course and start doing the dang thing. And that's something I talk about, like, that's something I talk about, like, we're actually, by the time this airs, the book will be out, but I actually have an ebook coming out about, like, money, money and finance, uh, what is it? Like a money guide for self-employed SLPs. And one of the topics is retirement. And that like you, that's exactly the point I make is like, you know, people you you trust just, just because you're not involved in it. That means you're you're putting your future in the hands of someone else. So that means you're trusting them to do the right thing. And a lot of times, especially like if it's not a pension, a lot of times they just open this thinking account for you. Like Yep. They opened a 401k, they ain't putting anything in it. Like you don't need them yep. for that. Yeah, no, you can, can actually, do that on yourself. Yes, a lot yep. of people don't know. And this is in the ebook. You can open up your own 401k. Yes, That's you sure can. Solo 401k. But we'll get to all that later. Yeah. But, <laughs> so you're, you started your private practice. I do want to ask this um, because you have, you've, you've not, you have business experience, money, finance, like all that stuff you're very comfortable with, which, which most SLPs are not. Um, you yes, also- I wish that they were. So thank you for putting the word out there and educating these ladies, because I'm just like, why don't we talk about taxes in high school? Is calculus really applicable to anything? People is taxes and personal finance. Oh, that would be yes. So we could have more contributing members to society and people making less mistakes. Oh, would that be terrible? I don't think so. More people like actually generating more income. Like, hello, but yeah. girl, we can't, we don't, whenever the record is over, we talk about it, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, shoot, where was I? Oh yeah. Uh, so you're about to start this private practice and I really am curious because there's actually a lot of SLPs that listen to the show that are interested in private practice, that that is, is either something they're doing, want to do or considering. What do you think is the difference between your mindset going to private practice versus like maybe an SLP who doesn't have your background and experience. And what are some, what's some advice that you would give someone who's just wanting to start out in their private practice? Right. Um, so some advice that I would give is to do it. All right. So, um, I highly, highly recommend, and I I am totally not getting paid to say this, but, um, I am totally a student in the start your private practice with the independent clinician with Jenna, um, Castro Casbon. Shout out that Jenna, if you're listening, thank you. Oh girl, I am a proud, (laughs) I'm a proud affiliate with independent clinician. Like everybody, like I actually have, like, if you, like, I have a code 
for her course and you get like half off a one-on-one with me if you use my link to register for her course like I love her course like it's so like this and yes like I get paid if someone uses my link but I'm so like I don't I don't even know how I missed that dang it Danny (laughs) (laughs) but yet like it's first of all it's, it's easy it's easy to sell something you actually believe in first of all yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And then I like, I shoot, I took her course too, but anyways, yeah. I digress. I yeah. love Jenna. She's best. Well, it really, really is helpful. I already knew how to get an EIN number. I used to do that whenever I had to open up estate accounts. I, you know, I was like, you understood that. Pat, that yeah. I was like, doo, 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 doo. I knew how to open up a business account. I already knew the paperwork that I needed to do. Well, I will tell you that threw me for a loop for us here in North Carolina is that I couldn't just do an LLC. I had to do a PLLC professional. So I had to send off for um, my certificate through the North Carolina um, speech language board and Mm -hmm. get a certificate through them and then submit the paperwork over to um, the secretary of state's office. So that was great fun. So anyone maybe opening up a private practice in North Carolina, think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you don't have to pay the attorney $500 to file for you. No, yeah, I my accountant did all that stuff for me for free because like he did it for free, like it didn't take him that long at all. Yeah, yeah, well, I didn't do a PLLC, but sorry, I digress. Okay, no worries. <laughs> me, and, me and Marie have a serious problem. Like it's funny, like we haven't talked since grad school, but like it's like it's like we. It's no like, time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, guys. Sorry, ready listening. We're back to serious. We're talking about private practice. Yes. What you think the difference is the difference between you and someone without business experience and what, what are some of, what's some advice that you would give to someone starting out? Sorry. I think like one of the big differences between maybe between myself and somebody else is fear. Um, I guess fear of failure. Um, and once you get over fear of failure, because let me tell you folks, I've had some big failures in my life. That's for sure. I mean, when I opened up the jewelry store, I mean, it was a small jewelry store. I didn't open up a huge store, but it was still a lot of money. And I I sold fine jewelry. I wasn't selling costume jewelry. Everything I sold was 14 or 18 K or sterling silver. And a lot of it was, you know, handcrafted jewelry. Um, So it was a lot of money that I lost. Um, But I think that that's the biggest thing is fear. And once you get over that fear of failure and you can get over that negative talk and, and, and get out of that, surround yourself with some positivity and, you know, folks that are supportive Um, and you, you don't even have to have folks that are supportive. You can support yourself. You can be in that positive mindset. You know, it's, um, it's what, it's just very, it's, I think that it's, it's the biggest thing between people wanting to do something and actually doing something. Um, because often we are our own biggest obstacles. Um, but there's also so many other business products out there. And I have a lot of of that type of background knowledge. Like I know that there are, um, you know, business equity loans that you can open up. Um, like some people, okay. So like, you know, if you own your own home and you have, um, you know, your mortgage, which most people do have a mortgage on their home, um, you know, you could do like an equity line of credit. A lot of people have heard of those like a HELOC, Mm -hmm. um, instead of doing a HELOC, you could actually do a business equity line where you are using your primary residence to, um, 
to have um, using that equity. So it would be a revolving line of credit. Typically on it, like on those types of equity lines, um, you have a revolving line of credit for around 15 years. And then at a, at, after that 15 year period, if there is a balance on there, then it amortizes and you it's no longer revolving and it will turn into a fixed payment so that you can pay it off. But, you know, if you are very good with your money and follow lots of Danny's advice, which you probably would not tell you to do a business equity line of credit, but as a former banker, I would have loved to have sold one to you. And I sold lots of them. You know, if you need equipment for your fees business or, you know, all that kind of And I think that's something, a good point to bring up because a lot of businesses take a lot more capital to open than a private. And guys, when I say capital, I'm I mean money. Um, A lot of businesses take a lot, a lot more investment to open than an SLP private practice. Like that's actually, that's something I talk about in the ebook too, which is super awesome. Like you can, I mean, you can definitely start big and all that stuff, but like you can just start out with like maybe, you know, like a thousand dollars, like to get all your stuff together because we're, we're the magic sauce. Yes. Like you are the magic sauce. Yes. Like, and I've said this before, my best friend is an optometrist. Yeah. She could not even take a sniff of opening up her private practice without at least a hundred K. Yeah. Because of the equipment, like she has to have an office space. She needs all this fancy equipment to like peer into your eyeballs and soul and (laughs) things like that. Um, but like that is not like the opportunity that we have yeah in this field because of the low startup cost sorry i'm i i, I went on that rant no 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 i totally agree and let me tell you so for me right now since i do have a toddler i've just been doing telepractice um and that's what my business is going to be i'm just going to be doing telepractice from the comfort of my own home and so if i need to step out whenever my toddler's having a meltdown I can do that in between sessions. Um, but, you know, so so that way that keeps my overhead low. Um, and, you know, there's still a pandemic going on, unfortunately. Um, but also I did choose to go ahead and kind of niche down. Um, so I am now an orofacial myofunctional therapist. I just completed the myo method. I was a part of the first group to go through Hallie Bulkin's myo method. I'm not getting paid to say that either, but let me tell you, it's awesome. And it's so comprehensive because one of the things I liked about it is, as you know, since you're a myofunctional therapist, you know, a lot of, you know, you think that you have to be there in person to do everything and Hallie teaches you how to do it you know, via telepractice, like how to do examinations via a, a telepractice. And so I was just like, this is awesome. I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> so, you know, so until I get my caseload build up and get, you know, and get some, you know, get some money built up and everything, you know, back into my business. And then if I want to go out and get an office space, then I'll do that. But for right now, I can just hang out and be here. I can just do it part-time. I can just slowly build up my caseload. You know, you don't, you don't have to jump in head first. I mean, if you have that luxury, take advantage of it. Congratulations. You know, I think that that's awesome, but you know, everybody needs to do what's best for them, but by all means, like, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid because as long as you believe in yourself, you're going to be successful because it's all in how you make your clients feel, you know, and, and when your clients feel valued, they're totally going to go tell somebody else they're, 
you could go to the park and pick up clients, y'all. I'm not even kidding. I was at the park. Had I had business cards, I totally would have gave it, give this family my business card. Like, you know, the mom was apologizing because her son is on the spectrum. And I was like, it's okay. I'm a speech therapist. I work with kids. Like it's, it's totally okay. And I told her about all the great things that he was doing. And she was like, this is so refreshing. <laughs> I, was, I totally would have been business like, card. <laughs> here's my business card. <laughs> Yes. Now, Marie, did you know that you can have a digital business card? <gasps> no, I did not. So here's a little more about that. Yeah. Here's a little business hack for everybody. So there's two things. So you can actually do a digital business card. There's like multiple places that you can like multiple sites. You can do it at, and you can send them. You essentially can text them a link and it, and you can put your headshot and all that stuff. So I've done that one. Another thing that a friend of mine who is a chiropractor locally show me to do was to also, so I have my digital business card and then I also have a, like a, like an Apple contact card. Like when you say people's numbers, uh, yeah, yeah. but the picture is my logo and uh-huh. then I have my phone number. I have my fax number on that. I, and in the, just cause you can put a description in a contact card. Right. So yeah. I just put like, you know, servicing, servicing Ascension Parish in South Baton Rouge, I specialize in, you know, what you would essentially put on a business card or like the front of your, um, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, like for me personally, because I, I'm the only therapist, um, yeah. like I have a, I have a girl that I have as a contractor, but she only does early intervention. So when mm-hmm. I get like insurance referrals, it's not like that or word of mouth. Like a lot of my kids, I'll get that way. Like it was two moms that were talking. I'll actually put like, you can text me. Yeah. And they can text that number. Cause a lot of people don't want to call. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that has actually been like, I really haven't even used my, my physical business cards anymore because then wow. people can save your contact card. Oh uh, yeah. And it's an easy way for them to share it with their friends. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you for this tidbit. Like a little I said, business hack <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> it makes it easy too. Then that way they can just like click on your number inside their phone. Oh, click, click on the link. Exactly. Or if they're like, Hey, you know, especially for my like baby babies, um, most of them are referrals. I get referrals from, um, pediatricians and one of the local dentists. But most of my referrals come from other moms telling mm-hmm. moms and then the body workers that I work with. Uh, I got a couple awesome. chiropractors that we work together a lot. And usually when they need one of us, they need the other just with mm-hmm. the way that infant feeding works. Yeah. Um, Cause they're basically like a giant thing of Play-Doh Jello. Um, but that's <laughs> for another episode. Um, so that, that's really where a lot, that's really where a lot of my baby referrals come from. That's so, awesome. Yeah, business act. But I digress because I, I don't want to take up your entire night, Marie, because this is just so awesome. I think we're need, we're probably, there's a few people I'm like, I need a part two. Like uh, if anyone's listened to like one of the, it's like in the episode two with Tommy Teshima. I'm like trying to, I'm trying to like get on her radar so she'll come on again. And if you other people, but before like I release you, what's, what's like the last thing that like you want to leave everybody with like as an SLP, like money, finances, business like what's something that you wish and you by no means do you have to answer this quickly because I mean both of us have a problem with doing that um but like what's something that you would really just like want to leave everybody with especially from the lens of you coming from this history of business finance male-dominated fields having failed in a business 
which I think is fascinating. You know, some of the most confident people I've had on this podcast, like you, uh, Hallie Balkan is another one. If you guys don't know who Hallie Balkan is. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that we're both of our names in the same sentence. Like I love her. <laughs> and Tara Sumpter too. Oh my gosh, I love you guys. Oh, she's amazing. If y'all, if I remember, I, I, got, I, I was able to interview Tara and Hallie. Go look at past episodes. They're both freaking yes. awesome. But like uh, I, you and Hallie come to mind, like she had a failed business too. Like she failed with an, an online business that she attempted. And now she's got like two freaking super successful quality programs that she sells online. And like you, like you failed in your first business attempt, but yeah. yet you, for whatever reason, you haven't let that sort of like taint your confidence and taint your ability to be like, all right, like I got this. Like, go. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've, have you ever heard the acronym fail is first attempt in learning? Have you not, but that? I like that. Um, one of the special ed teachers um, I worked with had that on her door and I was, that's fantastic. And I think that we need to shift our mindset from things that we fail at. And we need to look at it as learning experiences because that's what all of this is about. And, um, you know, I have definitely had my fair share of learning experiences. And I, even, even in grad school, had a professor that you and I were both close to. And when I didn't get into graduate school the first time, he had me talk to those other people after I got into graduate school to help them out and help them change their mindset. Because it's, it's not the end of the world. I get it. I get it when you don't get in or when, when you don't get into graduate school or something doesn't work out. I grew a garden that summer and I watered my squash with my tears by not getting into grad school. Okay. <laughs> Look at the squash. So beautiful. And the cucumbers. This is the tears of not getting into graduate school the first time. <laughs> This is why we couldn't sit together. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to like egg this metaphor on. I, like I'm trying to not so that we don't get to my watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So but, you're, you're crying watered squash. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's, do not let that define you. Don't let it define you keep moving forward, keep growing. You know, like, like I was saying earlier, like it just breaks my heart that we have so many clinicians that are feeling the weight of imposter syndrome or feeling the weight of being burned out. And it's just like, there are so many opportunities find something that lights your fire. There is something that you came into this field that you were really attracted to. All right. There is something, what aspect of that can you take and change it and, and just be able to focus on that and get rid of all the other negativity and, you know, and not everything is for everybody. And that is okay. That's something else. I think that we all need to be okay with, um, is that, I've had clients in the past in banking and in speech therapy. I've been like, I may not be the clinician banker for you. And that's okay. 
you know, maybe you need to see somebody else. It's okay to refer them on to someone else, but it just, it, it just, there's, that's one of the things that I'm so drawn to about private practice is that guess what? Nobody's going to tell is going to come to you one day and be like, oh, well, we're in a pandemic and uh, we don't have any, you know, we, you can't see anybody right now. So, you know, we need to furlough you or whatever. You're not going to do that in your private practice. You know, you're going to, you're going to adapt and you're going to change and you, you can you know, you're able it. to focus. Yeah. Yes. It's up to you. Like you're not just sort of handing, yeah, you're not handing all the responsibility to someone else, which it is a responsibility. Like it is. Don't get us wrong. Like it yeah. is a responsibility, and it, it's and th even that isn't for everyone. No, okay. it's not. Like that that is not for everyone. No, it's not, and that's okay too. Like we need we need some of our peeps in the school system. I think one of the biggest problems that we have um, that we need. I think that we need better advocacy for us. Yeah. all the way around and I will tell you because coming from someone so yes I have a lot of life experience but I have also been married to a lobbyist who gets legislation passed and I don't think our lobbyists are very good oh. so maybe we need to look at those industries that are getting good increases and not getting decreases and our rates slashed maybe we need to look at their lobbying firm like, <laughs> so this is actually like a, a project that i'm working on uh i was telling this to so i am actually like i don't know if i'm gonna make it a blog post or a podcast i don't know what i'm gonna do with it but looking into the financial and even just comparing even just comparing how asha spends their money how aota spends their money mm -hmm. and how APT, is it APTPA? I think APT, so, yeah. APTA. So the, you know, SLP, OTPT, how, mm -hmm. we, how the difference is in how they spend their money. Absolutely. Because yeah. I'm very curious. I'm not making this claim. I'm just, this is my hypothesis. Yes. I'm curious about what percentage of the revenue is mm -hmm. spent on lobbying. My former boss, who was an OT, that is actually something she said to me. She was like, y'all must not have good lobbyists because y'all's rates are not as good as ours. We don't. That's why she was like, I wish I could, I wish you could have one hour sessions, but we just can't, which I, I get it. You know, I get it. Yeah. Uh, Cause we're, we only have, we don't have units anymore. We, yeah, we're uh, time, time. Yeah. Yeah. No time. time. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was something she said to me. And that's mm -hmm. like, I mean, she said that to me like two years ago, but that's something that's always stuck in my head. And I've always like, I was like, I need to do this research and see like, okay, what percentage, you know, what, because ASHA generates a lot of revenue every, I mean, we are mandated to pay these dues, whereas AOTA and APTA is not really not mandated. No, it's not mandated. Like, okay. It's not mandated. Like for you to practice, like for us, yeah. I mean, the CCC is everything. That. It's the gold standard. Yeah. You're, like, you're nothing without it. They don't, they don't have that. No, no. They, their bodies don't like provide like a like some sort of certification that essentially you need to pretty much practice. Wow. So, I mean, technically the CCCs aren't mandatory, but it's going to be pretty yeah. difficult for you to get a job. Yeah. Um, right. So you have to pay yeah. $225. Um, yes. But that is like a research thing that I want to do. And I would be very curious what, like, I know nothing yet. Like, do you know a good bit about lobbying? 
Um, I've definitely watched and maybe even helped a little bit at certain functions push some legislation through. Mm -hmm. Um, I know somebody that has several pens on their desk. Well, he doesn't do lobbying anymore, but from different bills that have been signed. So at the state level, yes, federal level, which is what we need, yeah. um, is definitely, you know, is a different ball game. But um, let me tell you, K Street is right over there. K Street is where all the lobbyist offices are in D.C., so whenever you have like lots of retired, this retired senators or house members and stuff, a lot of them get offices over in K Street and become lobbyists because they have the internal connections. That's how it works. So is that how you become a lobbyist? Like you just need to have, you just need to know people when you know enough people you can get paid. You can become lobbyist. a lobbyist either that way. If you are an intern and you've been like clerking different committees within Congress and different things like that, you might wind up working for a law firm. I mean, clearly they want you to, you know, be an attorney and have your, what is it? Your JD. JD. Yeah. Your JD. Yeah. Sorry guys. Um, I've, thought about taking my LSATs and stuff, but this sounded better. So I became a speech this therapist. Was <laughs> <laughs> they okay. told me I could play with Legos and get paid for it. Right, said, yeah. right. See, now, now, like I'm, I'm, cause I'm very curious about that. Cause I feel like we, people always say I want more advocacy, but I don't think anybody, even myself, like, I don't, I don't really know what that looks like. Especially yeah. like in the political sphere, like that is like, woo, way by my head. Like, it doesn't I need, I can tell you one thing for sure is it doesn't need to be slanted. It does not need to go down party lines. We need to be on both sides of the aisle. I can tell you that. And I know that politics right now is extremely divisive. And I'm sorry yeah. that we're going down this rabbit hole. But folks, money is money and green is green and care is care. And we need to get both sides understanding. Maybe we need more of us running for office. Maybe we need more of us to be educated in that so that we can network within these environments. Because guess what, folks? The people that are there that are representing us, state level, federal level, they are often just very much average people. They don't have all the background knowledge and all the stuff that they're legislating. We need to be there to educate them. Maybe if we already have a seat as a at the table as a representative there, then maybe it would help elevate us more. But it's, I mean, and you also have to have that personality and that you have to have thick skin. Yeah, that drive. going to write about you. They're yeah. going to write about you. They're going to lie about you and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it can be hard, you know, and I, and, you know, and I could definitely see how a lot of us with in professional fields where we have licenses that can yeah. be affected yeah. tend to shy away from things like that because we don't want our livelihood, um, yeah affected. And, and I totally get that, but we need to have a seat at the table. And, you know, we've had like more women than ever, like voted in, into office in the last election, which mm -hmm. I thought was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I definitely think um, I'm a little frustrated that we haven't had a female president yet. Um, I'm not going to get into like the candidate's that we've yeah. had and stuff like that. And I'm, all I'm saying is that for me as 
um, someone who's half Filipino. So we've had several female presidents in the Philippines, even though that's a very male dominated society and whatnot. Interesting. You know, I mean, even in the UK, they're very, you know, I mean, heck, they have lords and stuff like that, people with castles, and they've had female prime minister. I mean, like, yeah. really? And I never thought about that. Yeah, I never really thought about that way, how like we haven't you know, or even, even a female, and again, like it, we're not talking okay. about like which females you want, like, yeah, no, no, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> right. But like, but like the fact that, I mean, I think, was it, was it, it Hillary Clinton was the first one that actually even made it to, to the final election. Final. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's I think crazy. So. I didn't yeah. realize that. Like she was the first one even to get as far as she yeah. did. Yeah. That is interesting. I never thought about yeah. that. And, and, and never, you know, oh, go, no, go ahead. Oh, I, it never occurred to me, like the idea of even like SLPs getting involved in legislation because yeah. you, you're right. I think it's the, we have licenses to protect and we have like our reputation, like reputations based off of quality of care. Yeah. Um, and that can get very sticky. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one of the things that I think that we need the people that we need to target, to advocate to, are we need to find out who the representatives are that work in the education system, because there are teachers and superintendents that are there. Um, we need to find out who they are, who are the representatives and senators who are in the medical field. And we need to advocate with them because at least that would be closer to within they would be more familiar with us and our positions and um have enough background knowledge to the way that we could push them a little bit harder does yeah. that make sense you know I, i'm not going to say that yeah. we should go over to the gunsmith's office and be like hey i know that you own a gun store but i need you to and i'm not saying that we shouldn't do that but that person it might take them a little bit more than understand yeah yeah well, I mean, mm -hmm. that's what other professions do. That's like, especially like doctors. I mean, there's a lot of legislation and there's a lot of controversy in the medical field, especially as you're getting all these subsets. Um, like, like I yeah, want I their lobbyists. Huh? I want the insurance company's lobbyist. I want their lobbying firm. Yeah. Why don't we have their lobbying yeah. firm? They're getting yeah. things done. Who is getting things done? Yeah. Like that's the firm I want to go with. Yeah interesting and but you're right like that is very because I've had to discuss this discussion with my brother before he's a he's a psychiatrist and the discussion even of like the psychologists and psychiatrists and how like a lot of it it's, it's a red tape thing and like there's like the you know a, a lot of MDs kind of want to keep that the mm -hmm. standard and making sure that there's all these policies and things in place to where that there the MD is still considered the standard yeah. and everyone else like you have to answer to them and things like that uh, I, I, it's, that's just, yeah, like that's fascinating. I never really thought of, thought of it that way. Hmm. We're going to have to have another episode about that. That's fascinating. Huh? Okay. All right. Marie, could we could talk forever? Seriously. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to take up all your time. I want to be respectful, respectful of your time. I know you have a sweet, sweet toddler lady <laughs> who looks just like you to get back to, um, but any final words or thoughts that you want to leave us with before I release you? Oh yeah. Just just do the dang thing. Just do the Danny, do the dang thing, do it. Get out of your head. You're not an imposter. Don't forget you have a master's degree. 
approximately 13% of our population here in the United States has a master's degree or higher. Do you know how much further that puts you up over the ladder, over everybody else? 13% people, you are educated, you can do it. Maybe you need to gather a little bit more information, but you can do this. Just do the dang thing. Get out of your head and just, just go do it. Like if y'all are watching this on YouTube, I've been like kind of doing a little like Rocky dance grooving thing. Yes, I love it. Well, I cannot wait. I think I'm, I think what I'm gonna do. I've done this with one other person I've interviewed, and it's been super awesome. Like a follow up episode, like maybe like a year later or something like that, to see because I'm very curious to see where you are just like strategically with your business. You know, a year, you know, a year and a half, two years from now. I'm very, very curious to see what you do and what you accomplish because I know it is going to be awesome. Mm, I put out a book. I put out an assisted, um, an assist, a book to assist with therapy. So um, I'm going to put out a whole series of those. Wait, you so, wrote a book? It's a coloring book. It's not like a book. Um, it's like a coloring book to practice sounds at different varying levels. Okay. Well, we're going to have that link. We'll have that link in the show notes. Why do you wait till the end of the episode to tell me this, Marie? No, because I've right put out a whole series of them and I've only got K and G out right now. So, so, so it's one I'm of those up. things. I'm. <laughs> okay. Well, that's going to be linked in the show notes description because Marie's <laughs> going to send me the link. Okay. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been like so fun. Just, you can, you can tell that we've we know each other. We've just been like cutting up the whole time, but thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and sharing your experience. And we will definitely be having you on again for a part two, uh, because our, like a, not a part, like a sequel, a sequel, uh, because I really want to know where you're going to be in a year with your business and these books that you just freaking told me about. And I'm upset with you now, uh, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye Marie. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to hear more no fluff, getting the dang thing done stuff for myself and other real life SLPs, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com slash speakgoods. If you found this content valuable, please share it with others so we can get this message out there. And if you haven't already, join us on Instagram. Handle is at speechgoods. See you there.